0: You're listening to Test, Learn, Grow, where we believe that all marketing should create value, build trust, and inspire change. This is the Level Agency Way. Hey, Miles here from Level, and I am proud to be your podcast host. In every episode of Test, Learn, Grow, I'll be joined by agency team members and other members of the marketing community for radically candid conversations on all things marketing. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. A warm, love of welcome to Tim Fitzgerald on our podcast today. Tim, thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks, Miles. How
0: you doing? Doing awesome. We're doing this at the end of the day, and it's been a mm. fantastically busy day, but that's how I like it, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And for those of you if, you, if you happen to be watching a video clip of this, no, Tim does not have this amazing sense for interior decoration that you see. He is he is in a hotel room right now because he is on the road doing a pitch for some new business, but still carving out time to hop on the podcast. So that uh, can I'll explain some of his background and uh, just want to call you out for being a road warrior too.
1: Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Miles, real quick. It's uh, the last year around March, I think it was like early March, we had
0: a QBR
1: with a client and we went down to want to say south carolina and everything when the lockdown started that was like literally the day we got back so things closed after a client meeting and now as things become i guess we find out what a new normal is i don't want to say it's back to normal but we find out what the new normal is uh we're on the road again so there you go it's good it's good
0: that's, that's sort of a fun fact about your uh, your proximity to the pandemic there. But let's lead into a more fun, less uh, less not so fun when we talk about global pandemics fact. Yeah. And what's, what's something about Tim that we don't know that will help help people connect with you as they listen to this?
1: Yeah. So I've been playing music like most of my life. and I've played in different bands and I've played shows in 11 different states in the U.S.
0: That's really cool. Loading up the van and just going on tour? Yeah,
1: it was like in high school and college and while working here early on, uh, just loading up an SUV and just, you know, trying to see if we could get like 10 to 15 people in a house to play music to. It's good.
0: Yeah, so now I'm sure, again, post-pandemic, you're probably excited to get back out and see some live music again.
1: Oh, yeah. That is that is one of the main things that I missed.
0: So going to professional Tim, right? Yeah. I know the story of your growth at Level and it's a really cool one, but I'm going to let you tell it because I'm sure you'll tell it better than me. So how has that career grown at Level? Where did you start? How did you start? And where are you today? Yeah.
1: So I first found out about Level in like 2014 and then reached out and asked if they had any internship opportunities because I was interested in the world of marketing And then I I met with uh, Tom, I met with Patrick Van Gorder, and I worked there as a agency projects intern for the summer. So I did everything from building like coursework in a tool called Moodle to uh, working and analyzing, I think it was like 5,000 different marketing tech companies and like putting together recommendations based off of all of them. So it kept me busy for that summer. Then I finished up school. When I graduated, I reached out to uh, Patrick Patterson. Uh, I said like, hey. Uh, I'd really like to join as an online marketing specialist and then started there right after college. I've been here for about five years and started as a specialist, moved up through the ranks, uh, now a director, moving into the team lead of e-commerce. And it has been the, the, the amount of opportunities that I've had to learn so much, do so much cool stuff, work with so many freaking cool people, work with so many cool clients, doing everything from like telecom infrastructure to large online marketplaces to like specific liberal arts programs and promoting those. It's just like, there's a new challenge every day. And it's, it's honestly, this, like, this isn't me just trying to say nice things. It's, it's been legitimately fun, legitimately rewarding. And I've been, uh, I've enjoyed pretty much every moment of it.
0: Yeah. That variety is something that's hard to explain to folks in marketing who don't work for an agency if they're just on the client side. It's really hard once you taste that variety to probably picture one company every day. That's it.
1: Yeah. I guess in the last year or so, the thing that I'll t- say, though, is initially when you're going to work with different clients and you're working on problems across a bunch of different in- industries, uh, the response to problems is, well, it's more complicated than that. You know, it's you start to dig into things and realize how many numbers there are that you have to optimize to to drive performance. But the thing I've kind of realized in like the last year and a half is just like eh, it's actually a little simpler than that. You know, at the end of the day, there's like four to five numbers that if one moves this way, the other one moves this way, and you just kind of got to figure it out in between. But the variety and the different like learning so much about this like specific niches, industries, and products that you wouldn't otherwise know existed. Like there's a thing called a WISP, which is like a wireless internet service provider. I think that's what that means. And it's in rural counties. There's people who will set up their own cell towers who are getting data from like either a fiber line or something else. And then they start their own sort of mini like internet service. And that's like a huge thing in like rural rural areas. That's one of the coolest freaking things. I had no idea it existed until I got to spend some time with a client of ours. So...
0: Yeah, and you're right. At, and what's cool is you get to come in to a completely different industry after you've had that experience, take what you learned there and find a way to apply it here and offer a fresh perspective, which is ultimately, one of, I think, one of the best benefits of working with an agency is that set of outside eyes, but also a set of outside eyes that has seen a lot of things and can bring a lot more to the table than the tunnel vision we all end up getting just doing our own day-to-day jobs.
1: Oh, but that's creativity, right? It's like being able to make those weird connections between things that seem like they have nothing to do with each other and then realizing like, oh, I have a framework to understand this and to work through this.
0: Yeah, for sure. So creativity, how are you applying that to your new job as e-commerce team lead? What is that gig all about? What do you do? In the simplest question, what do you do, Tim?
1: <laughs> uh so uh, creativity what do i do so what i do now as on the e-commerce team before i move into the team lead is i'm the media director and basically what that means is i'm in charge of sort of like the macro of what's going on in media like here are the overall numbers we're trying to move here are the products here are the different brands Here are the different things we're trying to move and making sure everything is running as efficiently as possible and then also a really important part of my role is training Right? Making sure that everybody has all the training and the resources that they need to do their best work. And as I move into the team lead role, what I'm going to be doing is a leading account strategy, not so much media strategy. Right, It's going to be really important that our clients feel like we're not just there to activate their campaigns and say, like, hey, the campaigns ran and we spent the money and we got the things and blah, blah, blah. We really want to make sure our clients feel like they're growing with us. Right our job is to be the integrated strategic partner for our clients to make sure that their business goals are met and we're working with them to solve business problems with marketing. So while I have a toolkit to do that through media, and I know exactly what to do when someone says, Hey, you need to move X, Y, and Z. I'm like, great. Now we have to have larger conversations about like, okay, these business goals, these priorities that we have, how do we work together to achieve them? So, and then leaning and learning from all of the talented folks on the e commerce team to say, like, okay, so how do you use your creative toolkit to solve this problem? And working with the account coordinator folks to make sure that we're managing the relationships the right way, making sure the clients have what they need, we're communicating the right way. So my job is a facilitator and a trainer.
0: Yeah. It's like you go from moving the levers on the media side to now you're moving some human levers, right? Like what's the best way to attack that problem might be a media person and their skill set, or creative or the account services or your own, right? It's like a whole new game of chess you're involved in.
1: Exactly. And it's a lot of uh, empowering people to make the right decisions and do what they do best. Because, you know, some people think that like leadership is like, I have to make all of the decisions. I have to be the person who dictates every single thing that comes through here like what we do across our teams is we're sitting down and doing community guidelines right how do we work best with each other how do we make sure that everybody's heard how does every how do we set each other up for success right and one of the things that's really important to me and to people in, on the team is i mean I, I want our people who are the best at what they do i want them to be making the decisions that apply to their toolkit right It's an old Steve Jobs quote that everybody freaking quotes. It's, we hire smart people so they tell us what to do, right? We don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. So it's making sure to get out of the way at the right times and provide the right resources and make sure we're moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah, what you said before, training, right? Like When you get to your level, you're not the person who's doing the thing anymore most times. It's how do you help other people be successful? And then in turn, you're successful, level successful, and the clients are successful.
1: Exactly. And I, I do got to tell you though, my, my favorite days still, I I love being able to manage people, manage accounts, do strategy, do higher level work. But some of my favorite days are still when I'm like, I jump into the platform and I have to build campaigns for seven hours. I'm like, this is great, man. This is like.
0: Yeah. Cause you've done it for so long. You kind of just like, it doesn't take any brain power for you. Like the strategy does, you just do it. And at it's, the it's- end, you can stand back and say, look what I did. It's done. And it's not always that way when managing people, right? It's not always a start and end date, like building a campaign.
1: Exactly. And you know about a uh, flow, right? The idea of like the flow yeah, state absolutely. where it's like everything else just kind of melts away. Your performance is the best of your abilities. And it's nice. It's when you're in like seven hours of meetings and you're moving from meeting to meeting and making decisions and working through all that stuff. It's hard to get into that when you're switching so much, but you know, you try to find ways to get back there. <laughs>
0: yeah, Absolutely. So let's get back to e-commerce. Yeah. And I'm curious, you mentioned telecommunications as an example of a client that you've worked on. EDU, because that's where Level got to start. These are all different than e-commerce. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear from your perspective and all the different types of marketing you've been a part of, how do we have to approach e-commerce marketing differently in order to be successful?
1: Well, it's different, obviously, with e-commerce from like Legion is you don't just have one page right you're trying to, or you're not trying to get somebody to just take one action you have multiple products we have some clients that have like 50 products they're trying to sell we have some clients who have 150,000 products they're trying to sell right it's a little bit different because that means there are 150,000 different pages so how are you going to approach this problem differently because landing page optimization is very different than uh website optimization so it's the scale first and foremost, and the second thing is how immediate it is, right? So one of the challenges and one of the things that makes uh, things like B2B and education so great is uh, the challenge of how do you best optimize today knowing you're not gonna know what the result of that is for like three months, right? Nobody is going to fill out a lead form and then the next day start college, right? That's not how people do that. Right. Right? Yeah. But with e-commerce, people, do they do that. They click an ad and they buy the thing, and then it shows up a few days later. So e-commerce, it's very immediate. You can turn very quickly. How do you package things together? What is the right promotion for this subset of the product group? What products do we promote? Where's the interest? Who's the audience? What do we do? How do we take this cohort of our existing audience? It's in a way there's a lot more data, and in a way there's uh, it's a lot more immediate, but there's a lot more uh, chances for you to do something wrong.
0: So you mentioned data. You, you rattled off a lot of data points. How important is data to e-commerce marketing? Where do you where do you start if you're like just starting today and you're not quite sure how to how to collect the data and then make use of it?
1: So a few there are like three numbers that you got to watch: uh, cost per click, your conversion rate, and your AOV. So cost per click, it's simple, right? How much you're paying to get somebody to click your ad? Then your conversion rate is once somebody clicks an ad. how, uh, how, what percent of them actually buy a thing? And then AOV is just like on average, how much is the stuff that people buy worth, right? So it is just a balancing act of getting down that cost per click, you know, improving that conversion rate and increasing that AOV. There's a bunch of different things you can do to improve all of those. But if you're just trying to sell something online, those are the three numbers you need to watch. Cost per click, if it goes down, great. Conversion rate, you want it to go up. And AOV, you want it to go up.
0: So what about all the privacy stuff coming into play with Mm -hmm. digital marketing and people protecting their data, asking not to be tracked? How are we seeing that affect the results for those key metrics for e-commerce clients?
1: Yeah, so uh, the thing that's on off the press is like iOS 14, going into iOS 15, all that good stuff. Uh, In short, uh, Facebook I haven't seen any, I was expecting it to be drastic in one way or another. I have not seen anything drastic. Uh, The only place where it is uh, a little bit obnoxious is when you're trying to do things within applications, right? Uh, So if you're an e-commerce marketer and you're trying to drive people from Facebook to your app to get them to purchase something, there's a whole new campaign set for iOS 14.5. There are some updates that you need to make and it makes it much harder to track on the app side. So the app side is where we're having a lot of issues. So, in short, not seen anything catastrophic yet, but when it comes to uh, in app marketing, that has become much more difficult.
0: And do you think it'll stay that way, or you know, if you had to make a guess for the future, where where do you see all this going? We're sort of at the beginning of it. It's not going away. Hmm. What's your take on where it's headed?
1: So there's two. So there's two things that can happen a company that should not be named has said once that all the time they're gonna have their users yelling at them and their advertisers yelling at them. All they're trying to do is get to an equilibrium point where they're both yelling at them equally, <laughs> right? So uh, what I see is uh, out to historical analogs, look at things like there's this thing called ITP, an intelligent tracking prevention or something like that, where Apple came out before and said Safari, not going to allow you to track people, blah, blah. All right. And everybody thought the world was ending. And then uh, companies like Google or uh, some other uh, industrious groups uh, put together workarounds for uh, ITP, whether that was through like modeling conversions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so either A, somebody's going to figure out a workaround, which looks less likely nowadays because Google has been openly hostile towards that saying, eh, you're not going to be able to replicate this. You're not going to be able to keep using cookies like this. So what I recommend and where we're moving is building campaigns with privacy as a feature, not as an, uh, obstacle. Right? So, uh, what that means is we're not going to try to do super aggressive, gra- granular targeting, stuff like that. We're going to make sure all of our like cookie opt-ins and opt-outs uh, are there, all that good stuff played by the rules of all of these platforms. Uh, because uh, if this is what consumers come to expect from their advertising, then we think in the long run, people will trust the products and the landing pages and the ads that we have more. So any privacy settings, uh, if they're available now, just opt into them work with them and then try to figure out how to make the best experience within those. Because if this is the way that it's going, then figure out how to give the users the best experience right now, instead of being like a year behind once this becomes an norm.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's like we can complain all we want, but it's out of our control, right? We, yeah. we don't, we don't set those policies. So instead of lamenting what's lost, let's embrace the new normal and make it work. And if we can, the, the sooner you can do that and be one of the first to do it well, you're just going to grab that that piece of digital land to to build on where others are still concerned about what they lost versus what they can build new.
1: Yeah, the only loss I still lament though is the loss of the uh, old school Google Ads interface. That one was so much better. The new one's fine, and I'm fine with all the stuff they're doing with machine learning. And you know the change, they're making so many changes. The only thing I care about is just bring just bring the old interface back,
0: please. That I, I like that. All right, so Google, if you're listening, you heard it. You heard it from Tim. Please, please help us bring it back. I've
1: been, I've been crying to our reps for so long.
0: <laughs> so, what else besides privacy do you see coming on the cusp for digital marketing in general? A change that you know maybe is far out there, but you think six months from now it's going to be just as hot a topic as privacy and, and data sharing is today.
1: You know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in with this one. It's not six months. It's it's probably five years, right? But it's okay. how, how to make ad digital advertising work within virtual reality, right? This has a much, much longer time scale to it. But the fact that the technology is getting cheaper, it's getting better, uh, companies are trying to figure out Facebook that has the largest amount of advertising data is like taking on more and more market share. I think in the long run, that's going to be the thing. And the faster that we can figure out how to do that, uh, it's gonna be better, right? Uh, so that's my sort of like wild like future take but in the next six months for agencies if agency people are listening or anybody who is a digital marketing professional if you have facebook buyers get them to start buying google ads google is turning their platform into facebook whether you like it or not there's stuff like the way that they're handling audiences now the way they're handling campaigns and doing all this stuff if you haven't been a facebook buyer for the last two years your skill set is currently applicable to google it's just instead of doing with like audiences only, you're going to start to work with different keywords. There are different frameworks and the way that you build Facebook campaigns that you can literally apply to Google now. So in the next six months, if uh, maybe have some Facebook buyers start building some uh, Google campaigns and see what happens.
0: Just I hear what you just said, and I'm just still hung up on VR, and I'm thinking about like being <laughs> surrounded by an ad in a virtual reality <laughs> experience or something, right? It's I agree. It's going to be like Black Mirror episode. It's going to be out of this world.
1: Well, so the, I mean, marketers like, we'll be real. We ruin everything. Like we do. It's, <laughs> uh, we, we do. But you know, it's, uh, it, it happens. But, but if you remember like the early internet, right? When like ads started to pop up on the internet, they were, they're were a very small portion of the internet. Right. And a lot of them were like kind of unique, kind of Interesting. Like the first banner ad was what? It was AT&T that just had a box that said, "Have you ever clicked your mouse right here?" It had like a the 90% click through rate or something like that. So it, it was unique, and people were doing cool things and doing cool experiences. But nowadays, since we've been you know doing this for like almost, but like almost two and a half decades now uh, with banner ads and all that good stuff, now there are pages and news websites that are unusable. So it's hit a critical mass. And obviously, there's going to be something new that comes out, right? VR seems to be like that in the way that the adoption and the way that it kind of sits in the market right now. Uh, Like, it's kind of like the, I was telling you about this earlier, right? It's kind of like the early, like, chat room kind of days of VR compared to, like, what it was on the internet, right? So I think eventually, to your point, it will be like Black Mirror, and you're going to be standing with just, like, five million billboards saying, click here to." Get Look, this cheeseburger on your table. You could click here and buy it now and it'll be here in five minutes. But early on, it's it's going to be great and it can provide and do some really, the, we could create some really freaking cool experiences. But that's the optimistic.
0: And I'd add to that. I, I agree with you. I think that might be five years out, but something that's more immediate is, is augmented reality, the AR side and everything like Snapchat just buying that company a little bit ago and for e-commerce, yeah. right, where you can try on a watch or something before you actually buy the watch. And I think so that'll be the gateway into the more of the full VR experience, I think. And we'll see. Yeah, it pop up.
1: I mean, I use that AR stuff on uh, like if there's a marketplace that, that has that, like I bought a, I think I bought a desk from Ikea or something like that. And I think they had an augmented reality thing. And I, I didn't have a measuring tape. I just moved, so I couldn't find my measuring tape. So I was like in my room with my phone trying to see if it fit. And I ended up buying the desk. So, to your point right there, like, yeah, with e commerce, that works. And did it fit? <sighs> it's, it's well right.
0: enough?
1: Yeah, well enough.
0: Yeah, that's something too where it's only going to get better, right? they get more right. accurate and get better. All right, Tim. Well, it's been fun debating future realities with you here, augmented, virtual, or otherwise. But I'm going to move to wrap this up so you, we can get you to that sales call that you got to go on. Appreciate you being here on the podcast. And I think, stay tuned, listeners, and stay tuned, Tim. I'm going to be following up with you for a more specific conversation, I think, on privacy as an example, on some of this AR, VR stuff. Because it feels like a rabbit hole we could go down much deeper. But we will not today. We'll do it in future episodes.
1: I was going to say, if you just want to start a VR podcast, like we could do that. Not a Not a podcast in VR. That'd be cool. I was going to say, or, or could it be? Okay, we can we do
0: that? Is that a thing? Might, might have just invented something.
1: All right, then we got to cut that part out. Got to keep that <laughs> secret.
0: All right, Tim. Thank you. Talk to you later. Right, thanks, Miles. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Test, Learn, Grow from your friends at Level Agency. For more information on what we do here at Level, be sure to visit us online at www.level.agency tune in next week for a brand new episode of this podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode and until next time remember that the best way to do any sort of marketing is to test learn and grow